You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bear down, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hahn. I want to remind people, there is no award for coming to the conclusion fastest on a quarterback in your football city. Nobody remembers, and frankly, nobody cares. And Dan Weeder. Particularly in this town, we start to get the extremes trying to outshout each other, right? Those who think that he's a bust are trying to outshout those who think that he's going to be an absolute seven-time All-Pro. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm David Haw from the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Wiederer from the Chicago Tribune covers the Bears. He's at Hallis Hall. We're talking to you the day after the Bears lost their fifth straight game. They have not won since October 24th. The drudgery continues, Dan. What was it like? Let's start there at Hallis Hall the day after the fifth straight loss. Yeah, look, I think the toll of this is starting to add up a little bit for people inside the building. I know that the amongst the general fan base, there's this uh, fist pumping going on in regards to the climb up the draft board and and, and the potential rewards that could bring and provide next April. But these guys who are invested every day, coaches and players, feel it. They feel the toll of a losing streak. They don't uh, enjoy failing right and, and so, so that's starting to add up a little bit and, and and we'll get into this a little bit more on the show there's still a long way to go before the finish line we're still in november as we record this episode right and the bears don't have any more games in november they just completed a winless november which is not something you'd love to have on your ledger but i do think that there is uh there's going to be a test here of of, of focus and commitment that we're going to see play out here over the next six weeks what happens now is the part of the job interview between Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, or maybe George McCaskey and Ryan Poles, or George McCaskey, Ryan Poles, and Matt Eberflus. But this is the part of the job interview that comes after, okay, who would you hire? What would you do? How would you do this and game day? And now it's now it's all about, frankly, and we'll get into this later, that, that um, kind of cliche-ridden uh, term, culture. It's about that culture and the foundation that Matt Eberflus talked about today because you aren't better for losing five straight games. And I don't ever buy that That when Ted Phillips was trying to sell it a couple of years ago. But when you have a new regime, there are things that are revealed that are valuable and useful later when you are good. And maybe these are the tough lessons that you have to learn in the adversity you have to encounter. So We'll talk all about that. We've got a lot of injury news to get to. We've got a lot to bring you this week on your uh, – you can download, listen, and subscribe to Take the North podcast. Dan, but let's let's get to, I think, the most important bit of news today or the bit, uh, most important update, and that is 
Justin Fields and his prognosis and what we expect to see this week? Yeah, look, I think that the Bears are, are playing this as a day-to-day situation and they really want to uh, find a way to get to Wednesday and see how he's feeling and, and potentially be able to get some clearance from the medical staff. Obviously, he was limited in practice last week and the two days that they actually had practice sessions that that if this continues trending in the right direction, perhaps Justin gives himself an opportunity to play on Sunday against the Green Bay Packers. I understand the, the train of thought and I wouldn't be opposed to it if they said, hey, let's give it another week. And then you have the week 14 bye week coming up and you can just get, you know, three full weeks to, to get that, that, that shoulder stronger, that shoulder recovered and come back uh, ready to, to, to finish out the season strong with four games left. I also understand the train of thought that says for, for a quarterback like this, every experience matters, right? And every, every game you can play increases your library and increases your uh, opportunity to, to make growth and to make development. And particularly against a rival like the Green Bay Packers, it's a, it's a game that even for, uh, uh, you know, two teams that whose records are what they are, it's going to have some juice to it on Sunday at Soldier Field because these games always do. And so those experiences are good, right? And, and those experiences of, of learning how to grind through things are good. And so we'll see where it goes. That's a, a long way of saying that, that Matt Eberflus was vague with his comments today as, as we expected he might be. And, and Justin will kind of dictate this as the week goes on and, and, and the medical staff will dictate it as well. He was vague, and I think this is almost the question I know the answer to before asking it, but I think it's an interesting uh, thing to, to look for anyway. Does any of the rivalry aspect, does any of the fact that you're playing against Aaron Rodgers, do, how, how hard will it be, I guess is the way to ask it, for the Bears to do the right thing and to separate emotion from the equation when deciding what to do with Justin Fields? It, it won't be that hard. I, 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 yeah. joked with, uh, I joked with Pat Finley, who asked the question to, to Matt Eberflus on Monday afternoon on, on whether the, the opponent, and the, being the Green Bay Packers, would impact the decision of the coaching staff to turn Justin Fields loose. I said, Pat, you, you really did a good job of trying to, to trick the first-year head coach into saying, yeah, we, we want to beat the Packers so bad that we're going to put our franchise quarterback of the future at risk for a, a week 13 game in <laughs> December of, of 2022. They're not going to go down that path. Obviously, they, they would like to give themselves the best possible chance to win this game. Justin is the guy that gives him, them that chance. But look, like they, they understand they understand who they are, what this is, who this quarterback is, and, and, and what's most important. And so they'll, they'll, they'll let uh, reason prevail as this week goes it on. It was a relief to hear him answer it as reasonably as he answered it. <laughs> While not dismissing it entirely, he did kind of walk that line. And I know why you have to ask it because people, you know, this is the Super Bowl for Bears fans, but it's not in the Super Bowl this year for Bears players. And there's a separation there. And I'm glad that they they at least appeared to know the difference and they're not going to be persuaded by anything. And Justin Fields, if it's the right thing to do to sit him, they'll sit him. And I think day to day they'll go. I, I would probably lean toward obviously erring on the side of caution if you have any doubt at all, because then you can compartmentalize the last four games yeah. of the season, and that gives you a good, nice kind of reset for him. Well, and understand the last four games of the season have some teeth to them as well. You're going to host the Philadelphia Eagles and the Buffalo Bills in the last two games of the calendar year. Those are two pretty good tests for a young quarterback against really good defenses that are going to challenge you. And then you finish the year with a, a road trip to Detroit to play the Lions and then a home game against the, the Vikings, which we'll see at that point what they've got to play for. But uh, there's plenty left on the schedule, right? And I think that's where... Um, as we'll get into in a few minutes, the, the ability to reset, the ability to kind of understand that it's not time yet to uh, to pack it in, right, mentally 
or physically, right? This team has to stay committed to the process, even as guys fall by the wayside here. Uh, and this will be a test to, to see to see what they're made of in that regard. I know a lot of people on the outside won't really care what the results of that test are, but I still think it's an important test. All right, let's get into it with our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. All right, Dan, the record says the Bears are three and nine, but they are more significantly, I think, this week losing the war of attrition. And when you lose two leaders like Darnell Mooney and Eddie Jackson, that has a way, as we described in our postgame pod, of demoralizing things. And it's very difficult to recover from because these are your leaders. These are your teammates. These are your friends. Eddie Jackson hosted teammates for Thanksgiving Day dinner, for goodness sake. So, Let's start with Darnell Mooney. The reports were confirmed. He will have season-ending surgery, and he'll be placed on injured reserve. First time in his career on Sunday before the injury, he was not targeted, did not catch a pass. You feel bad for a guy who didn't quite have the season that he envisioned when when he was working out with Justin Fields all those summer days. Yeah, I mean, Darnell uh, Mooney's statistical contributions to 2022 are 40 catches, 493 yards, and two touchdowns for the league's worst passing attack. Those are disappointing numbers considering what we thought that this passing attack could be uh, this season. It's a bigger loss, though, because this guy willingly blocked every single time a run was called this season. He's uh, uh, an unselfish teammate. Uh, Cole Komet called him a light in the room today on Monday afternoon, said it's going to be hard to, to lose his vibrance in the huddle and his vibrance on the practice field. Uh, Darnell Mooney is, is what this team and this culture is all about, right? And when guys like that go down, it's a setback. It's a setback and other reasons too, David, because we've been talking obviously for for a stretch here about how uh, one of the boxes that this this offense and Justin Fields need to check before we close the books on the 2022 season is can they be a competent, consistent passing attack? When you now lose your favorite receiver and your close friend and and, and the next leading receiver on the team, wide receiver uh, right now who's healthy is Equinemius St. Brown with 14 catches, 195 yards and a touchdown, you understand that the, the challenge just got more difficult. Right. And so now are they going to lean on the run as much as they have up to this point? Are they going to lean on it more, which I, I think you would probably agree isn't the best uh, for Justin's long term development? How are they going to navigate this without one of their their most reliable uh, playmaking receiving options? It's it's not it's not a good question to consider with where they're at right now. Well, not when you consider and you pair Justin Fields progress and development with a guy who you'd ideally like him to establish the best rapport with. And yeah. we have said for a while, the, the number one receiver designation, it applies to Darnell Mooney in Chicago. It might not in many other places. And it might not in Chicago when the bears actually get a team that can be competitive for a playoff spot again. So it's just, you feel bad because he is the guy that epitomizes what you're looking for in the Matt Eberflus Chicago bear. Or before that, it was the previous regime's ideal kind of player. He, he just is a total, he totally buys in and he's a fifth round draft pick that made himself into a, a very productive receiver. So in terms of practicality against the Packers, the first, I don't think that Equinemius St. Brown is a guy, maybe because the Packers will see some snaps. He does play a lot. He's a willing blocker. But does this open the door for anybody specific? I know 
fans' minds, they might want to say, well, does this mean Velas Jones probably will get <laughs> uh, more extended action? I don't know if he has earned it, Dan, but what do you think in terms of practicality? So one more thing on the Mooney topic, and, and then I'll answer that question directly. First of all, you know, I'm going to have to keep tabs on this, right? Like we've confirmed that Darnell's out for the rest of the season and he's going to have surgery. But the question now is how severe that damage is inside his left ankle and, and just how grueling and taxing the rehab process will be. I talked on 670 The Score on Monday afternoon with Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes about having these flashbacks and re-watching the way the injury occurred to what happened to Kyle Long in 2016 when they ran that uh, ill-fated shovel pass to Paul Asike, the fullback, in Tampa. I believe you were there that day, yeah. uh, up, up in the press box at Raymond yeah. James Stadium. And it was really uh, the last time we saw full-strength Kyle Long in his time as a bear. He was never quite the same after that. It was a similar play in regards to You've got a guy engaged in a block and someone comes falls from behind with their full weight on the back of the ankle, right? And, and Kyle suffered uh, terrible damage to his deltoid ligament, terrible damage to his peroneal tendon. And while the Bears kept the, the severity of that injury pretty concealed for the most part, uh, you talk to Kyle now and he'll tell you that that, that rehab and that process was – more mentally and physically taxing than just about anything he's ever been through. And, and, and so, so you, you just cross your fingers and you hope and you pray for Darnell Mooney's sake, for the Chicago Bears sake, that he, he's not facing something like that, that this is just a quick correction, a quick repair. And, and right. Like you get it, you get it fixed up as soon as possible. And you hope that you're ready uh, to participate in some practices in, in late May and June potentially. And, and certainly by the time training camp starts, because if not now, all of a sudden you're taking the one piece on that receiving core that you could lock in and say, definite part of the passing attack for years to come and say, uh-oh, you know, now where do we go? So that that's that in the question. So the other part of this is who does it open a door for? Well, Chase Claypool would seem to have a, 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 an open door right now to, to become a guy that Justin Fields looks for more often. Well, Chase Claypool also was beat up in the game Sunday against the New York Jets and was seen on the sideline trying to look like some sort of leg injury, trying to stretch things out. Matt Eberflus wouldn't answer on Monday afternoon what happened to Claypool or what his status was. We're going to get the injury report on Wednesday afternoon, David. You know, you can't get any injury, injury information until you get that trusty tweet on Wednesday after practice. And so, man, like th th that's the last thing they can afford is to have Mooney on IR and then Chase Claypool having to miss some time with an injury of his own. Yeah, the fear with Darnell Mooney is a guy that committed and with that kind of ceiling that this is a setback that he he never really fully recovers and regains that ground. The Kyle Long example is a good one, unfortunately, because you wonder if he ever did. And you saw what happened after that. And you could arguably say that it didn't. So you hope that this is not a turning point in the wrong direction for his career. But all you can do is, you know, you know that if anybody in that locker room will be committed to to re rehabbing, that it'll be Darnell Mooney, and you hope for the best. Let's move to Eddie Jackson, another unfortunate injury. Eddie Jackson leading the team in tackles, four interceptions, enjoying what I think is fair to say was a resurgent season under Matt Eberflus, his fourth, I think, defensive coordinator since he arrived in 2017. This is a guy that just got his foot caught in that controversial turf at MetLife Stadium and went down, non-contact injury. Garrett Wilson ran by him. And that's an indelible image in your head. It didn't sound like Matt Eberflus wanted to share many more details. But, Dan, oddly, there was maybe a sense of 
I don't want to even say optimism, but a little more positivity than I expected given the circumstances surrounding that injury. Yeah, no question. They didn't declare it a season ending uh, at this point. They didn't say whether IR was in the equation at this point. And so you cross your fingers and you hope for the best. Eddie left MetLife Stadium in a walking boot on Sunday night. I talked to him for about four seconds as he was leaving the locker room and just said, how you doing? He said, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. And and, and so th- there was a, a, a little bit of optimism and, and upbeat tone to, to Eddie's comments after the game that led me to believe, okay, maybe they avoided the worst case scenario, which I think we all kind of feared an Achilles injury with the way that injury occurred and the way, the way he planned it and the way he went down. Um, so we'll wait and see. I think, you know, pretty logical to, to, to say he's not going to play this week. He's certainly going to go into the bye week and, and recover that regard. Whether we see him again this season remains to be seen. Uh, Eddie was, you know, making a case to be part of the Pro Bowl roster. Right. Right. And, and to be back on that list again, which would have been a great accomplishment given uh, given the way the last couple of years had gone. And now they're going to be without him. And I think I think the one thing you lose, right, like you already lost your two original defensive captains, and Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. And now, you know, a third defensive captain, Eddie Jackson, is down and you just you just lose that juice, right, that energy and 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 the respect that Eddie has from the guys around him and the, the contagious sort of enthusiasm for the day that he brings. And that's not easy to replace. Um, you know that they they finished that game Sunday with with zero depth at the safety position. It was uh, DHC and, and and rookie Elijah Hicks finishing the game at safety. And DeAndre Houston Carson saying on Monday, I, I'm not sure what they would have done if either one of those guys would have got hurt. You would have had to fiddle around with the cornerback and converted them. And uh, so it's a, a position they need answers at. And it's just it's a rough break for Eddie for sure. So next man up is it still Elijah Hicks? Is it Brisker? comes back from the concussion, then you put DHC at free safety. Is it a combination of everybody? Because I don't see them with five games to go, and there's still five games to go. Right. Going to the street and finding somebody who they plug and play. I don't know if anybody like that is out there, even though they're going to have to look at their practice uh, squad list again and try to find you know, some sort of passable depth. Right. And right. And you mentioned Jaquan Brisker, and that's going to be interesting to see when he gets clearance and is able to come out of the concussion protocol, because uh, you obviously would like him to finish his rookie season and, and, and finish on a high and be able to get that uh, experience. Obviously he will be back before the year's up, but you'd like it sooner rather than later, particularly given the, the attrition that they're going through, uh, you know, Elijah Hicks, probably not ready yet, right? And, and wasn't supposed to be ready. Wasn't supposed to be thrust in this role. And, and so that's just what happens when you're a rebuilding team with injuries to key players and limited depth and not a lot that you can lean back on. And, and it's just, it's, it's ugly right now for the Bears. And again, there are five games left. And I know most fans are resigned to the fact that if Justin Fields makes a few highlight real plays, it's all good. Uh, but man, you, you want to seem functional and you want to seem like you've got some momentum going into 2023. I know that Mandy Rufloos said that Wednesday uh, will be the day that he talks about injuries, but he did address briefly, vaguely, a couple others today, the ones that stand out. Larry Borum and Riley Reef, the right tackle uh, tandem for the Bears. What can you tell us about those two guys? Yeah, Larry Borum, we didn't know on Sunday night what his injury was. It's an ankle issue, uh, so we'll see what happens then. Uh, Riley Reef left the game, obviously, with a shoulder issue. So they're thin at, at offensive tackle now, right? And then you had Michael Schofield finish the game at right tackle. Uh, Eberflus was asked whether they would consider uh, shifting Tevin Jenkins back outside to tackle just to 
to give themselves some options there. And he said uh, we're pretty comfortable with him at guard. Alex Leatherwood's a guy who could get a look at that tackle position at this point. It's you talk about, you know, we, we entered training camp, right? And it was like, Matt, how soon are you going to solidify your offensive line? And it was like, the sooner the better. Well, here we are in week 13, and it's like a different combination every single week. I've never seen anything like it, and I've seen a lot in between these walls here at Hellas Hall. And so it'll just be uh, another week where where you're you're tracking who's possibly able to play who can play where what do they want to fiddle around with and again like we're still trying to track the development of justin fields that process is not over i know most people have already hung the mission accomplished banner and, and believe that that his season is a an unqualified success but he's still got ways to go and we, when you remove pieces from an already thin receiving core and pieces from an already thin offensive line, you say, good Lord, like now you really have to be careful and make sure that you keep your franchise quarterback healthy down the stretch of the season. I'm convinced that Alex Leatherwood is actually just a figment of our imagination. Some type. I've of talked social. to him, so I've seen oh, him. Okay. All right. Because <laughs> it seems like one big social experiment because his name has been mentioned every single week since they signed him off the Raiders scrap heap. And we know what he's being paid but we really don't know if he can play. And and this Tom Thayer made this point this morning on the Mullen Haas show, and it's a good one. His his theory is that they have tried him in so many different places that they've been unable to to really allow him to get good at any one position. So we don't really know what he can play, or where he can play, or where he can't play. No question, right? Like, and, and we didn't have preseason or training camp to watch him with our own eyes to figure out what it looks like at this stage. And so it's all a guessing game. It's similar with Nikhil Harry, right? Who, who just can't yeah. crack the game day roster. I mean, listen, David, like the bear, Matt Eberflus told us on Monday afternoon that, that basically Dante Pettis was sick, very, very sick on Sunday. It's the reason he didn't get many offensive snaps. He ended up playing two snaps on offense, basically only because Darnell Mooney left the game and they needed to get him in there. And Iberflus basically said that he went to Pettis before the game and said, are you good enough to just go out and fair catch punts? Right. Like, so if that doesn't tell you what they think, one of Nikhil Harry as a receiver, two of Valus Jones as a punt returner, I don't know what will. Right. And it's just disappointing when you're three and eight right. and you're basically taking a guy who can't even stand up and saying, can you just go out there and wave your arm and catch a football because we don't trust other guys to, to handle that role? You know, here we are, right? Like here we are, and, and it's what what I've been trying to put keep the magnifying glass on. Like you can have more than one discussion at once. That this roster is so depleted and so full of holes that the Bears are going to have to bat like seven fifty in the off season to become even remotely competitive in twenty twenty three. Most people throw up after watching the Bears play, <laughs> not before. Um, Dante Pettis beat everybody to it. Look, they're in the midst of a five game losing streak, and and the talent alone is a big reason why. And the irony of this season is, and I know that Justin Fields has growth to make, and that's why the last four games, I believe, are important. You have to show progress. We'll continue to talk about in the passing game. But I do think that if they were checking a box, it would be, you know, in bold, indelible ink that they believe in him and they, he's their quarterback. The irony is, is that now that you have an injury to Darnell Mooney, now that you have an injury to Eddie Jackson, I think these are core guys. What are the positions do you feel sure about, really? Because you know you what you've got maybe in Brisker and Kyler Gordon, the players that you drafted highly, maybe Braxton Jones, maybe, maybe. Cole Komet, yes, but what is that? What is he? The, the, the position you feel best about right now, uh, 12 games in is the position that you felt most most unsettled about to begin the season. It's the most important one. 
But that's the irony because, okay, you got the quarterback question answered. What about the 52 <laughs> others? A hundred percent, right? They, they don't have a pass rush. They don't have a stable offensive line. The, the, the running back room is probably the second most uh, solid room at this point where you say, okay, you can, you can figure out where you're going to go with Montgomery, Herbert, uh, Darrington Evans, bright light on, on Sunday afternoon. And then you go from there, but man, I'm, I'm telling you, there's just, there's, there's so much here to fix. And again, there's still five more games. And, and, and now, now you're left with this, with this sort of lump in your throat. If you're Ryan Poles and saying, I, I don't even know if I want to play these last five games. Cause I can't afford for more guys like Eddie Jackson and Darnell Mooney to, right. to, to sort of wind up like tire treads on the, on the shoulder of the highway so any more injury news before we get on to what i think uh, matt eberflus talked about and the application of the hits principle and its value in losing streaks like this anything that we didn't touch on in terms of injury and attrition well i'm tired and i'm day to day and <laughs> my back hurts all. a little bit from these yeah. flights and everything else but i don't think anyone cares about that's that that's it. <laughs> how's big holding up you know, I, mean, I mean big z's a grinder big z will get okay. to Jan- january 9th without without any issue and uh, not, he never appears on the injury report <laughs> ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so I felt like uh, Matt Eberflus uh, today demonstrated again why people who respect him and his the way that he talks and, and approaches football. I think today was a good another good example of why he is a I don't say the right head coach for something like this, but it's certainly it's good to have somebody an adult in the room. I feel like he said that some of the some of the things that you expect him to say, but again, some of the things that would have come up during his job interview, he's equipped to handle this because he's a football lifer and he's been through more difficult periods before, but what to you stood out as far as what he said about enduring this adversity? Well, yeah, we'll play a little bit of it in a minute, but I, you know, I think that he's been leaning for the last three, four weeks as the losses have piled up. Remember they've only won one game since September ended, right? Like it's, that's a long time ago uh, for, to only have one victory. And it's that game in, in new England. But, but Iberflus has said that, look, there's 
character within that locker room that that's going to be a flotation device essentially and 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 it's going to help keep us steady and above water through the end of the season because guys in that room uh understand what it is to be a professional understand what it is to be a united team member uh and they'll lean on that but i you know i still have questions right like there's still there's <laughs> this team is still three and nine right and we do i don't know what we've learned about matt as a, a a chief overseer of this team right now and it was a question we asked early in the year that when the losses pile up you know your first job as a head coach is making sure that uh, you know dysfunction doesn't creep in and 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 um you know the the two famous military leaders that that uh, occur around this time uh, general malaise and major disinterest right those are <laughs> those, those are the two guys that the bears have to keep out of the building uh, uh, around this time of year we'll see if they can do it um Look, I, I mean, I, I think this is a major challenge for a coach to, to, to keep the investment level, to keep the concentration level, to keep the commitment level, because we knew that the hits principle, right, David, was going to be this fuel for what they were going to try to do in July and August and back to the, the offseason in June. Um but now what does the hits principle get you? And, and so there was some questions today, you know, Mark Potash from the Chicago Sun-Times pressed Eberflus on, on whether the hits principle has actually uh, generated the, the results he's wanted to. There was a little back and forth there. Here's a sampling of, of what Matt Eberflus had to say. I think foundation is huge. I think building foundation for, for your organization, okay, for your football team is, is huge because you have to lay that foundation of what the standards are, how we operate, how we practice, how we go about our business, how we treat each other in the building, how we respect each other in the building, and that creates high morale. And, and that's what it is. And when the winds come, it's it's a different thing. You know, it's you got to deal with you know all the praise and everything that's on top of that. And that's going to be a different issue when we get there. Um, but uh, but that foundation is what you stand on. You stand on the effort, the intensity. You know, the things that we stand on, the principles and the standards for everybody. The standard that's for Justin Fields is the same guy for that's you know at the back end of the roster. It's the same how we operate. So that to me is important. And that's when you onboard new guys in the future. That's important that they understand that. But when you do that later in the future, they're going to have these guys to look at and say, hey, just do it like that. And because they understand how it's done, what the standard is, and I think that's very helpful for the future too. So I like what he had to say there and I understand why Potsy asked it. And I, I think this, not just with Mark Potash, I think in general sometimes, and I've been guilty of this too, when a way of doing business or an approach by a coaching staff or a player, when they assign these clever, you know, acronyms to it <laughs> so they can remember and teach it and coach it and reinforce it like teachers do, like coaches do, I think sometimes it, it exposes it becomes more easy to mock because it's there and it seems a little bit juvenile at times, a little bit sophomore. I don't know what the case is, but so he's asked about the hits principle and he's asked about the hits principle and he's asked about the hits principle again. What he's answering is not mock worthy. And I think that what, the way that he approached no. it and the way he explained it to me, he's just talking about professionalism, commitment, integrity, and dedication. I don't care what words, uh, what letters those words start with. I'm not going to put them together in an acronym. What you need to get through stuff like this is what exactly he described. And it doesn't mean because the Bears are struggling that some sort of acronym he attached to a coaching mantra isn't working. It just means that it's being tested. And this is it's a good way to remember what's important when times are the toughest. And those are the same things that are going to be important 
when they do have success. It doesn't mean that it is working either. And my, I guess my worry with this is he used the the phrase onboarding, right? And it's like, how many guys do you need to onboard in 2023? And so it's just going to feel like they're starting all over again in a lot of ways, right? If you, if you go to training camp with like, you know, 65 of your, your, your 90 guys being guys that that weren't here, right? That's that's an exaggeration. Obviously they'll, they'll have more than that, but it's just going to be a lot of redoing and reestablishing it. And I know he's saying that, that the players that are here and the, the core leaders are going to set that tone and be able to push things forward. But I think it's going to be like, those guys are going to have to be like, all right, we're, you know, we're introducing this again to a whole new set of uh, players. I don't know. It's, it's just going to, it's going to be fascinating to watch because I think that, you know, I do think that there's going to be a whole lot of starting all over again in 2023. And yeah, I think that's I what, I don't know. I don't know. Dan. I think, I think we're not talking about reinventing the wheel here. Here's what I think when he talks about, onboarding everything what what the bears are doing and it's and it's painful to watch because the record reflects a team that's really struggling and talent deficient right now all they're doing is raising the standard agreed and that's what that's what we've asked for right and and i'm cool i'm i'm like i'm cool with the intent and i'm cool with the mission i'm just not sure that that we're far along with it right like i I think i think i think it's worse than we maybe imagine because they have to before you can raise the standard you have to establish one sure and and i think that by establishing where their floor is it was maybe you know to go out jerry angelo their floor was where the ceiling used to be (laughs) so now they're setting a standard and they're raising the, the expectation level internally eventually what will happen is they'll be good again or competitive again and then everything else will happen externally to reflect that. What happened Sunday at MetLife Stadium was, for the first time this season, I believe the Bears weren't competitive. They didn't meet that standard of play or intensity or hustle or takeaway or smart football, and that is why it's a valid question. That's it. But I do believe believe that the answer reinforced what I believe is that all that they have done – is try to create a foundation and get players who buy into this idea of there's a way of doing business at Hallis Hall. We're going to be professionals here. We are adults here. Let's reflect that. I'm on board with that. I'm on board with it with the attempt. Again, you're three and nine though, and you now you have five more games left, and you've got to keep interest level. And I and and you just pointed it out in the second half. I mean, you can go through that that tape from Sunday's loss, and you just see moments where it's like, well, they weren't tackling like that in September. You know what I mean? Right, like right. now there's different players on the field and obviously they're, they're, they're of lesser talent. Um, but there's just, there's just some, some missed plays within there where you're like, eh. you know, Dave Montgomery, a prime example of a guy who's still, every time he touches the football is running, like it's the last carry of his life. Right. And that those are the guys you want setting the standard and, and being your tone setters every single day. Hopefully they can do that. Um, you know, look like the player's perspective is important on, the, uh, on this. And so we had a chance on Monday afternoon to talk to some of the players. We'll start here with, with, some sound from Cole Komet, who um, look like Cole Komet is now in his third season, right, David? He started with the Bears in the pandemic year of 2020. The Bears got off to a five and one start to that year, and since that time, they're 12 and 27, right? So Cole has been a part of long losing streaks in each of his three seasons here, and so he was asked uh, on Monday afternoon, you know, just what it's like now to to be staring down the barrel of you know a last place finish in the division and you still got five games to go and guys are getting hurt and and this and the other thing how do you kind of kind of navigate this here was cole's answer it's tough i mean you just kind of kind of stick to your routines and you know um 
figure things out along the way. So, uh, you know, obviously losing guys doesn't help, but, um, you know, as individuals, you just got to do what you got to do uh, throughout the week, you know, stick to your routine. And, and really at this point, you know, you put good stuff on tape, you know, that's just what it's about. So have some pride in yourself and put some good stuff on tape. And um, if you do that, if each individual does that, you know, I think the outcomes will, will start to change. And then right behind that, David, uh, Cole was asked to compare uh, this current losing streak to two of the other long losing streaks he's been on. Here was his comparison. Anything about this one feel different, you know, first year of a program with Eberflus? Um, I, I mean, lo- losing's tough, man. Losing's tough. I don't know if I could say it feels different. Like, losing sucks any, any way you put it. And losing streaks are tough. Um, you know, I appreciate how they've – how coach has really handled this here you know he, he's been consistent every week you know whether it's coming off a winning week or a losing week you know coach has been the same um and that's something that you appreciate as a player he's not deviating from from how he how he approaches things or things like that so he keeps it consistent and you know he believes in his process and i think guys believe in that in that process with the hits principle and things like that so um you know i think i think last week you know yesterday was really a one-off for us I and mean, we haven't really been blown I think this game and and Dallas were the kind of the two maybe that were out of question but I mean other, every other game we've been in so um obviously it's been tough there at the end for a lot of these games this year but um I don't think yesterday was indicative of how we've been throughout you know the whole season that's a heck of a thing asking Cole Komet to compare losing streaks <laughs> like which is your favorite hangnail yeah, I like I, that, but he he answered it well. He he's a pro. I think he's a keeper. I think he's one of those guys. Again, we can overinflate and fall in love with the, the talent that you see on a regular basis. But you mentioned two guys, David Montgomery and Cole Komet. When you're trying to identify foundational players, I think those two guys fit the criteria of what you're looking for because they have skills on the field that you can utilize and find ways to accentuate. But I think in the locker room especially they represent what you're trying to what you're trying to preach on a daily basis. I've got another one for you under the radar guy, DeAndre Houston Carson, who also spoke with us on Monday. This guy was drafted on day three in 2016 and he's still here. Right. And the reason he's still here is because he has that level of commitment, that understanding of of how to compartmentalize success and failure, the the ability to uh, focus in on a daily basis on your responsibilities and and try to block out the things that you can't control over. And so this is the type of guy that that as obviously a core special teams leader and then a guy who can play potentially as a starter for you now going forward, depending on, on what, what happens with Eddie Jackson, um, that can set a tone, right. And be an example for guys. And so uh, he's another guy, look, you know, he, he's been through losing streaks with John Fox and Matt Nagy and now Matt Eberflus, he goes back a ways as well uh, and can speak to this a little bit. And so we asked DeAndre Houston Carson, similar to what we asked Cole Komet, just w- what it takes to, to look now at, at, you know, the season doesn't end till January 8th. Now we're still in November. You've got a long way to go to get to that finish line how do you grind through it and what what is it that is the secret sauce uh to help a team through this stretch um i'll speak for myself i'd say probably two things pride like i don't care how many games we've lost you know i gotta turn the tape on and i gotta feel feel good like i put a good product out there you know um so pride and, and then another thing is just loving the game you know, you can't lose that aspect of it, especially when you're losing. Like, it is it is your job, right? It's, it's our job, but you also got to have fun. Like, 
if you don't, then you're going to drive yourself crazy, in my opinion. This is not a job that you can not like and just wake up and keep doing it. You know, you're going to drive yourself crazy. And like you said, your body's hurt, your mind's all over the place. So I think you got to try to still love the game. Every team in every sport has guys that they identify early on in any sort of rebuild that they are character guys. They want to, they may not be the most talented guys, but they're worth keeping and they're worth kind of for their example. I think DeAndre Houston Carson is one of those guys. And as you, you know, described and you've been around him a lot, it just seems like when he talks about pride, he means it. There's yeah. not just, they aren't just empty words and trying to say something that makes him sound like he's, he's buying in. He plays that way because Dan, we know from watching him over the year, I mean, he's, He's a capable NFL defensive back. He's a better core special teamer, but he's willing to do about anything, and he's smart and committed, and you don't worry about him. These are the kind of guys you need in that locker room to create that, to build that platform. So when other players come in the onboarding process to t- go all flucy on you, that onboarding process is a little bit more seamless. Well, I, I, I literally sat here and got goosebumps listening to that audio clip for a second time. And the reason I did, we talked earlier in the season about those those types of clips that you can attach the gentle xylophone music to and, and make them extra dramatic. That's one that you could do it with and, and, and get get that feeling, right? That feeling of, yeah. okay, let's go. But I, I, the reason I, I, I got the goosebumps is because you think about standing uh, you know, next to a practice field with a guy like that after his first rookie camp practice or his first weekend of rookie camp practice and saying like how are you going to stick around right like what's what's your formula and then you you fast forward seven years and you say the guy found the formula right he found his niche he dedicated himself to his niche he kept signing contracts you know he he, he earned the trust of multiple coaching staffs and multiple front offices to to, to be at this point and he understands at this stage how to navigate this kind of stuff and so um influential stuff, right? Those are the types of guys that you want to, to, you know, lead by example, but also lead by words, right? Like we talked about Elijah Hicks earlier in the podcast. He He's a, a, a day three safety making his way on special teams right now and looking for opportunities elsewhere. Well, guess what? Latch yourself to DeAndre Houston Carson's belt buckle and watch everything he does, right? And, and, right. and figure out a path to, to be in here in 2028. And so, you know, we'll see where it goes. I, I just like this is, this is, that loss Sunday in New York, it felt like the type of loss that you have the last weekend in December and you go, well, well, you know, locker cleanout day is just around the corner. It's it not. It's not. The locker cleanout day is not around the corner. And so I just there's just so much for this team to test itself with over the next five weeks. And I hope that they're uh, following the lead. You know, the one word that both Cole and. DHC used in the, in those clips was, was pride, right? Like a lot of this comes down to personal pride and, and, and how much you care about your craft and how much you care about the, the work that the guys beside you are putting in. It's, it's, it's an important word. Well, it is an important word because it goes back to everything that Matt Eberflus was saying, and we can find different ways of describing or saying the same thing about raising the standard, raising the standard requires surrounding yourself with players who are like-minded and have that kind of sense of pride in their job, regardless of the record, regardless of the scoreboard, because that was a blowout. And Cole Komet was right. There are other games that they just haven't been that uh, non-competitive. Cowboys was deceiving because it, it got away from them late, but Sunday in the second half was the first time I really felt like, okay, they've packed it in. I don't want to say they quit. They didn't quit, but they just were they're not just, 
they were not talented enough to handle yeah. the challenge. Overmatched. Yeah, just totally overmatched. And you're just like, they don't have answers. And, and that's that's where the frustration comes in when you don't have answers, right? And effort's not enough to keep you competitive. That's when it's like, oh, man, you know, what is all this for? And that that's where you have to find that extra reserve and that extra tank. And, and we'll see if they're able to get it done. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's start to look at the Packers in our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. So Aaron Rodgers, as we sit here and speak <laughs> today, Dan, apparently he's going to attend the uh, he, uh, the meeting of, of Bears owners on Sunday at, Hall- at the Soldier Field, not Hallis Hall, unless, unless he's going to stop there on his way down. But Aaron Rodgers has a broken thumb. He's got a, a, a broke, uh, damaged ribs. He's got potentially punctured lung. He's got a lot of things wrong. He wants to play anyway. The Packers, after giving up 363 rushing yards, the most since 1977, they come into Soldier Field. That's an invitation to run the football. It's early in Packer week, but what do you think in terms of this matchup? Could we see Jordan Love? Do you want to see Jordan Love? Jalen Hurts was over 100 yards rushing in the first half on Sunday night against the Packers. If, if Justin Fields needs any sort of uh, invitation to speed up his recovery process, that might be it, right? Like maybe you can get loose for a 70-yard run this week and, and break your own record for longest run by a Bears quarterback. Uh, look, I, there, there was a moment in that game where I thought Jalen Hurts was going to break Justin Fields' you know, three-week-old record for rushing yards in a game by a quarterback. Uh, he, he fell about 25 yards short or somewhere in that range by the end of the night. So there, there, there's going to be an opportunity here, right, to, to, to run the football against the Packers defense that's vulnerable. The bigger story, obviously, is Rodgers and the quarterback situation and which direction the Packers want to turn with all that they've got to figure out about their future. What do they have in Jordan Love? Do you want to see him for an extended stretch of time now that your playoff hopes are, are, are really, really, really distant, right? Aaron Rodgers, obviously, I think, would love to play in this football game. There's going to be a lot of tug of war going on in Green Bay about that topic. Uh, just one more sound clip from Cole Komet because you know he was asked, and and he's he's a worthy person to ask this of because he's a lifelong Bears fan, right? And he's been through uh, the suffering as a Bears fan of of seeing the Packers beat the Bears over and over and over and over and over again. He was asked if he wants to see Aaron Rodgers play on Sunday at Soldier Field. Here was his response. Yeah, let's bring it on. You know, I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, he's the he, he's the he's the staple of their franchise, and you know to get an opportunity to go beat him, um, you know it, it would always be a good feeling. So yeah, I, I would you know like to see Aaron out there for sure. 
Bring it on, says Cole Komet, who uh, might have to play safety for the Bears on Sunday afternoon. Right? Like, he's uh, he's signing a, a well, check he, there. Well, he can go up is, and get it. We know he can go up and get it. <laughs> yeah, the, the defense is is, is uh, the, the, the the unit that has to respond to that. But I love the attitude. I love, I love the, attitude. the attitude as well. I, I hope that Aaron Rodgers does play. I hope he plays and he throws four picks just because of the drama <laughs> that would create and the, the chaos that might ensue in Green Bay. And it kind of right. always – Fun. Why? Why not? And, and I think it's interesting because it might be 15 years ago on uh, Monday, the 20, the 29th. That uh, I think I think it's maybe 29th, 2007, late November. Anyway, that Aaron Rodgers replaced Brett Favre, much the way that Jordan Love replaced Aaron Rodgers on Sunday night and mopped up, and and you saw a glimpse of the future for the Packers. Now. Aaron Rodgers lasted 15 years. I don't envision <laughs> Jordan Love lasting 15 years, but who knows? I just hope that there's one more chance to see Aaron Rodgers at least at Soldier Field. And I do feel like there's a sense of finality almost setting in there. I don't know what the future holds for him in Green Bay. Right. But I think that Sunday, if he were to play and play poorly, that would be a nice little flipping of the script. Or if you were to play and play well, right? Like there would be, there would be theater to that. I think for guys like you and me, like the theater of, yeah. of Rogers coming back to the stage where the last time he left, he was, uh, you know, saying some, some unkind things to, to people in that uh, Southwest corner of, the, of right. the stadium. And so it would just be fun, right? Like that, that, that's what you need in a season like this. And, and where we're at now is just some fun, some good theater, some, some, some good drama, uh, a good rivalry clash and, and then, and see what direction it takes you. I would ask you this though, like, if not equal to Justin Fields' emergence over the last month, maybe just a hair behind, do you think that the, the Packers unraveling in 2022 is as important as what we've seen anything the Bears have done in within this season, including Justin's emergence? That's interesting. That's a really good question and debate. I do think that it's always more significant what happens to your own organization within. And when you have a player emerge like Justin Fields has – Again, the asterisk being his health, I think that outweighs the decline of the Packers, even though I think both things are related because there, it does feel like uh, a changing of the guard in the division. And then this rivalry, it's an opportunity for the Bears to take advantage of that because Aaron Rodgers does look like quarterback whose best days are behind him. He doesn't have a supporting cast, and that defense has not been what we thought it would be. But I do think just by a hair – the emergence of Justin Fields is more significant to the Bears organization and future than the Packers decline and maybe Aaron Rodgers demise. We'll talk about this later in the week, but we also get a glimpse at rookie receiver Christian Watson, who wow. the Packers aggressively moved up to go get in round two, right? Leapfrogged the Bears and went up and got their their receiver. The Bears took two defensive backs in round two. Christian Watson's having a, you know, he dropped the first pass of the season, which was a long touchdown from Rodgers, but it's clearly regained the trust of his starting quarterback and put together a stretch here that's pretty promising. I'm raising my hand because I, I may – I, look, I think I might have been wrong about Christian Watson and maybe prematurely judged him as somebody that was a big reach. You look at his last three games. He's got six <laughs> touchdowns. He's averaging 22 yards a catch. He's got 12 catches. This is a this is an explosiveness that you wondered if he could it would translate in the NFL. And he has shown that. And I I don't I think quietly and maybe quickly 
after that initial drop, he earned the trust of Aaron Rodgers, and he is a weapon in that passing game. Another one. They keep finding these guys, which is kind of frustrating. All right, Dan, before we wrap things up, what else ha- happened at Hallis Hall noteworthy today? Was there a Jack Sanborn notice because he had 14 tackles? 14 more tackles for Jack Sanborn. That's the type of contribution that you love to see. You've got a guy uh, on an undrafted rookie contract that, that has shown he can be a starter for you, right? And so that's one less hole you have to plug in the offseason. You may try to find a you know a couple veterans to fill out that, that linebacker room. But every single answer you can get where you say, okay, in a worst-case scenario this guy is our starter in 2023 and feel good about it is a win for the bears they need a lot more jack sanborns up and down the depth chart to uh to to get themselves where they want to go what was the conversation like how loud were the complaints about the surface at metlife stadium one that has received a lot of attention uh the players association had issued uh complaints about that the bears played on it twice this year matt eberflus handled that with a little bit was a little more expansive today than he was post game yesterday. Yeah, it's hard after a game to eloquently say what you're thinking, and you, you're really not in that mindset to to have an answer for that. I think there's just still some questions right out there about about what to do and how to do it. You know, the player, players have their complaints about the surface. Uh, obviously, certain injuries have nothing to do with the surface. Certain ones may, right? And and so you just gotta gotta figure that out. This has become a crusade for the NFLPA, obviously, and they're trying to to work. Uh, through the process of getting some of these these surfaces changed, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I don't. What, what do you make of it? I don't know how to attach correlation to some of these things overall because it, it is a a hard thing to, you know. You can play the coincidence game. You can play the the correlation game, and it's hard to always figure it's it out. It's very difficult to know. I think it requires further study. But I also don't want to be a hypocrite with the way that the Bears in the Chicago Park District have handled the the natural surface at soldier field has been embarrassing enough at times for me over the past 20 years at different stages to clamor for field turf at soldier field. So I don't want to sit here and overreact to a couple injuries, serious ones, not diminishing that, but I do also want to be consistent. I am a fan of the consistent surface. I want to see the studies that say that that's exposing players to more injuries than that, than natural turf would or natural grass would because I think that, again, facts should not be this subjective, right? Because people tend to introduce uh, facts that fit their their argument. And I want to know, I haven't done enough study on this to be in an informed position, but I do find it very interesting because I've always been of the belief that whether it's Lambeau Field, whether it's Ford Field, whether it's MetLife Stadium, frankly, where they had a Super Bowl, that the surface, when it is predictable, when it is – um, doesn't have to be grass when it's con- a controlled surface. I think that would benefit everybody, but I do think it merits further study given the rash of injuries. Well, and the Bears changed their form of grass, right? Like they have a different form of grass to a, a hybrid style grass uh, that they now have, and uh, the reviews on that have been promising. It's, uh, yeah, it'd, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. Uh, I think even players are having trouble, you know, offering definitive conclusions on how they feel about it. It's kind of, you know, don't DeAndre Houston Carson today on Monday said, I, you know, I don't know the science. Try to to figure it out. He did say that that before the game, he felt like his his joint were more achy when he was warming up than he's used to and so who knows what that means right it's just uh, it's all a, a game that that you have to figure out and so uh yeah the, you know people far smarter than us are going to going to try to put their heads to this test and and figure it out last thing i have trevor simeon what was the after effects what what impression did he leave 
with the with Matt Eberflus with his teammates. I feel like the first two series very impressive. He's a backup quarterback. He's not going to dazzle you, but he did get you through a football game. If he has to play again against the Packers, I think he'll be serviceable, solid, not spectacular. But I think he he didn't hurt his standing with the Bears organization against the Jets. Well, I'll tell you this: we eliminated our QB one segment from our uh, day after game podcast, and part of the reason we eliminated it is because we didn't think our audience had the appetite for a full fifteen minute Trevor Simeon discussion. I will tell you that when I did the rewatch of the Bears offense on Monday morning, I. I was bored. And it, was the, it was the first time in a long time that I've been significantly bored watching that. The first two drives were great. And then it was like, oh boy, this is, this is a, an offense I'm all too familiar with. And it was a testament to what Justin Fields has done to enliven this offense and enliven what football looks like on, on your television. And for me through press box windows on, on, on Sunday afternoons, because uh, 10 points and a, you know, a, a long stretch where you couldn't get the ball in the scoring territory and you go scoreless for the last 40, four plus minutes it was boring and it, it was nondescript and it was ordinary and i'm not signing up for that again dan not my first rodeo <laughs> it's why i waited till the 51st minute to bring it up okay and that's why we're gonna get that's why we're gonna spin out of this discussion before exactly. the 53rd minute <laughs> we do not want to bore the audience so uh trevor simeon uh you know thank you for the solid effort but i do think that that uh the Bears offense was nondescript. And I had some emails from people saying they just for for sheer curiosity value, they would have preferred to see Nathan Peterman. Wow. Because <laughs> he's kind of so bad, it's it's fascinating. It's kind of like you want to stare because you can't believe what you're watching. Fun bad, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I could I could see that. I also think that after yesterday, after Sunday's performance and 10 points uh, and seeing uh, Trevor Simeon run the bear offense. Dan Orlowski doubled down <laughs> on his campaign for Justin Fields being the MVP. Yeah. Because he means that much to this offense. That, um, yeah, if he plays, I think they need more than 10 <laughs> points against the Packers. But all right. Anything else happen at House Hall worth noting before we wrap it up? No, if, if Simeon plays on Sunday, make sure to bring me uh, some extra caffeine to the press box. Just <laughs> slap me awake. And that's not a knock on Trevor. It's just it, 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 we, 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 when you go to a fireworks show, you don't want to, like, downgrade and then suddenly be uh, at a, you know, Brahms lullaby, uh, putting yourself to sleep up there. I don't know. I'm, I'm Everybody getting... <laughs> in the audience understands. It's time for us to wrap things up. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Download, listen, subscribe. You can find us on Twitter at Take the North Pod or Dan Weeder at Dan Weeder or at David Hall. Let us know what you think. We appreciate your time. We'll be back Friday morning to take a deeper look at Bears and Packers at Soldier Field on Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Take the North podcast. Great talk. See you out there.